This is the Upgraded Life Podcast, Season 3, Episode 17. I'm bringing you the one and only Douglas James. Douglas shares with us his story of being locked into a vocation and a career that he believes he's going to do for the rest of his life, but always kept his options open. He was always looking for a challenge, something to keep his interest, which led him to the place where he is today. He is a serial entrepreneur. So if you feel stuck in a rut in what you're doing right now in your life and you don't know what the next step is, this is going to be a great episode for you. So let's get to it. Me and Douglas James, let's buckle up and go for a ride on the Upgraded Life podcast. Hello, thanks for tuning in to the Upgraded Life podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nick Sotelo. The Upgraded Life is my personal project where I help people realize and reach their potential. I've been a professional helper for 20 years. Here's what I'm convinced of. The life that you have right now and the life that you want tomorrow is a product of your personal mindset, mission, and movement. Each episode of the Upgraded Life podcast is going to give you something that you can do as soon as the episode is over to upgrade your personal mindset. Your mindset informs your mission. Your mission tells you how to move every single day. And together, that is the upgraded life. I am here with the one and only Douglas James. I had the privilege and pleasure to be in the same space, be at the same event with Douglas back in November. And it was great to see him, interact with him, and learn more about who he is and what he's doing. And since then, I have been stalking him on the social webs. I'm sorry, I'll admit it. And I'm really excited about having him here. He is a lot like me in that we have a lot of irons in the fire, and that's okay. And some people are the one thing only type of a scenario situation, but I like what Doug has out there and what he's offering. And I thought, gosh, I got to get him on the show. So I extended the invite and here he is. So Douglas, thank you so much for being here. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Nick. Excited to chit chat, learn a little bit more about you and talk about what I got going on. Absolutely. One thing that Doug has under Douglas has under his belt that I don't, that's a lot of things, but he has made it to the Inc. 5000, not once, but twice. And that's nothing to snub your nose about. So tell me a little bit about that and what it was like for you to make that list a couple different times. Yeah, definitely. Actually, I just got an email. I don't think I'm supposed to say this. Hopefully by the time this is published, it'll be public. Yeah, I just got the email confirming the third time. So oh, wow, three, three years. Thank you. So three years in a row, Inc. 5000. And I guess for people that don't know how, I have a couple of things to say here. I'll just say this. It is a significant achievement for sure. Because when you're on the Inc. 5000, the this they basically rank your growth against every private company, privately owned company in the United States, right? So they the people that go on the list is just the top 5,000 out of tens of millions or more, sure. right? So that literally puts you in the top 0.07%. So we're not 1%, not 0.1%. It's right. less than that, 0.07%. Yeah, it's and I didn't just make the list of the top 5,000. We've been in the top about 500 in at least the last two years. I don't know what the third year is going to be yet, but I'm assuming it's going to be around there or maybe in the top thousand, who knows? But so still there. And then if you look at that, it's even a smaller percentage. So yeah, it's cool to be on there. My company has probably done over $50 million in revenue so far, all in the online marketing space. But with business awards and stuff, like I have this one over here. This is a big old, big, wait, where's the thing? Where's the pointer at? No, There we go. This one over here is another big one. But like these business awards and stuff, like 
I, I was in the Navy for 10 years. I was a hospital corpsman. I became a lab tech, got to tour and duty all over the world, was on ships, humanitarian missions. But it's the same thing in the business world. It's the same thing in your family. You don't get somewhere and receive recognition or achievements in business and life, marriage, or whatever it is that you're working on. You don't get there alone. It takes a team. There's usually someone behind the curtain. So like when I was in the Navy, like I, I received recognitions like Navy Marine Corps Achievement Medal is one of the top achievements that you can reach. I got six of those over my 10 years. Once I went up for sale of the year, sale of the quarter against thousands of prestigious sailors and one, and I, it's not to show off or anything, but like I had, I were, I got to work with some of the most incredible human beings on, on the planet. And most of my mission as a hospital corpsman is literally to save lives. When we did, I held blood drives all over the Washington DC area, collecting tens of thousands of blood units, like every blood unit saves three lives. And I was just really good at getting in front of people and inspiring them to rally behind a mission. So if you have that ability as a leader and as a visionary, you can take people to incredible places. And I've just always been in that seat. I've never been a really good integrator. I'm not the person behind the keyboard. I love those people. We need integrators. We need visionaries. We need analytical people, right? If you take the Colby test, you'll figure out like what type of person you are. We need all those. Everyone's important. The guy pushing the broom and cleaning the toilets is highly important. Everyone is important in this whole operation. It doesn't matter what you do. And they all work to all of it comes together so that the mission's done. And then at the end, there's awards and stuff like that. So every time I get an award, like my, that's my executive team. That's a painting of my executive team, like right behind me. Sure. We probably work with and employ over hundred people in my entire operation. That's just like my top executives took them to Aspen a few months back. And we had like a company retreat there it was really nice. But if it wasn't for those guys doing what they do every day, you won't see the Inc 5000 or the other awards or that we're BBB accredited. And so just to point that out, it's, I love receiving awards, but I don't ever tie my name to Mr. Inc 5000 or anything like that, because it's not, it doesn't really define me and like what we're actually doing and changing in the world. But I appreciate that. And for recognizing that, and it is a great honor to receive the award because it is a big deal for sure. I just know that how important those guys work to make that happen. So, yeah, yeah as you were describing that and what it really is and what it really means and what it took, a couple of different things floated through my mind. One was if you want to go, if you want to get somewhere fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And I heard that echoing through what you were talking about in terms of your experiences in the military and in business. That if you want to have a far and wide reaching impact, it's not going to be you and you alone. It's going to take a team. Yeah. And then I appreciate you, your humility to that as well. In that there's nothing worse than somebody who's always shining the spotlight on themselves and saying, look at me. And you took the spotlight that I attempted to shine on you and you shined it on the people that were all involved in the process there. And one other, one other thought that I had is the difference between humility and modesty sometimes is what we get conditioned into thinking about as the virtue to be modest. And so when giving recognition like the Inc. 5000, modest might sound, oh yeah, it's no big deal. It's something that anybody could have done versus humility says, thanks for that. And let me tell you what it took. And that's what I heard you do there, right? Yeah. Um, it wasn't just me. It took all of this and it took all of these people. Yeah. So the difference there between humility and modesty. Absolutely. And I think, I think over the years it is I'm in now, but the position where I can't shy away from the achievement because we have achieved incredible things and I can't act like they're not important. I think when I was just starting out, when you're just starting out in business or anything you're doing, and even just the slap on the back, good job. Like some people 
most people don't think they're worthy of good in their life. And they, or they think that it was maybe by accident, like I got here by accident. And it, it possibly could be you got there by accident. But if you're following a formula, and if you have the right people in your life, you start to realize I'm creating an environment to make this happen. And it's all about that self-awareness. And I think self-awareness is probably the most important skill you could ever master. So now when somebody says, oh, dude, that's so awesome. You got that award or you got this penthouse or whatever I'm doing. It's just, let me tell you how this happened. Let me tell you who made this happen. So let's back up a little bit. What made you decide to go into the Navy? Oh man, I did not. Yeah. A few things. So I grew up in a, without going into too much detail, but I grew up in a little bit of a troubled childhood. Like probably a lot of people have I had a dad that was alcoholic, abusive, and ended up moving out when I was like 16 years old, moved in my best friend's parents at the time and was bartending, working retail jobs, random stuff, just making money for a car insurance and my phone bill. And I got started drinking myself and I got into that, to the wrong crowds. And it was like 18, 19 years old. My schedule, I was out till four or 5 a.m. in the morning, just drinking with people that I thought were friends. Like that, these are my people. And my, eventually my, my mom and my grandma came to me and was like, Hey, you got to clean up. You got to do something with your life. You either go to college, you go to the military, or you get out of my house. Basically like they, they were giving me that ultimatum. Definitely was not a straight A student by any means. I think I graduated with a 1.7 GPA, like a D, like the bare bone minimum. I think I actually failed. Like there was one class I failed that if that F would have gone through, I actually would have had to repeat my senior year in college. But the teacher, I think he passed. He was one of those teachers where if you showed up, he just passed you. And like he did the exams, he did all the stuff. So I don't know, that could be controversial to some people and at the teachers in the community, but I probably shouldn't have graduated high school, but I did. Anyway, I'll tell you yeah. what that teacher was thinking. He was like, man, if I don't pass Douglas and I got to deal with him next year again. That's exactly what it was. Cause <laughs> I was the goof in the class, like laughing at everyone and causing trouble. That's just like how I was. But yeah, I, I wasn't going to go on the street or anything like that. And I wasn't ready to have my own bills and find an apartment and do all that stuff. So yeah, I joined the Navy, man. I had a great grandfather that was on the U.S. Arizona. That's at the bottom of Pearl Harbor right now. So he was like some heritage there. I'm like, okay, maybe. And then I had like another sibling that was not sibling, past a relative that was in the Navy. So end up joining the Navy. I growing up, I was always into computers and technical stuff, right? I love building computers, playing video games, learning about technology, softwares and stuff. So I was like, I'm going to be an IT. So I go to join the Navy and I'm going to boot camp and nine, 10 days into boot camp, they have something called a moment of truth. And they're like, Hey, if you've ever stolen, if you've ever did drugs, yeah. if you've ever been yeah. to jail, like you tell us now, or we're going to kick you out and send you to the brig and take your money and cause you all this trouble. So I was sitting there and I was like, man, I was, when I was 17 years old, I had a, I worked for Target and I was worked in the electronics department and I'm not proud of it. Never did it again, but I ended up stealing a bunch of stuff. I got caught, went to jail for 18 hours. And I'm like, I never want to be here again. This is not where I'm supposed to be in life. So I spent the 18 hours in jail, got out. My family was there. It was a waterworks show outside the jail. Yeah, I'm like, I'm never doing that again. That was a horrible experience. So then I got into the bartending and stuff and then drinking, not really going down the best path again. Sure. But I was like, I'm never going to do that again because I don't want to go to jail, but I can't go to jail for drinking. Anyway, I'm in boot camp sitting there and I remember I was remembering back a conversation that my recruiter told me. Okay. So if anyone's in the military, I'm sure you have a horrible recruiter story. But my recruiter, when he took me in, he's, hey, man, we're going to expunge this record of you being in jail and all this. So when you get to boot camp, 
or if anybody ever asks you if you went to jail, just say no, because it doesn't exist basically at this point, because I took care of it. I was like, okay, cool. But then when you're in boot camp, man, and you're 19 years old and you're leaving, you're the birdie outside the nest for the first time, you're scared. And you have this big old buff chief yelling at you, threatening to throw you in the brig or beat you up. Tell me if you ever did drugs or whatever. I, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to tell them what happened. It's expunged. It's not on my record. We're good. So I go in there. And to be an IT, you had to get a higher level security clearance. Right. So I'm going in there to get interviewed and the guy just sits down, opens a folder. And the very first question he asked me, have you ever been to jail? I'm like, man, can we even, can we just warm up to this? Like, why is it the <laughs> first thing? And I'm just like, yeah, I was 17. I stole from Target, went to jail. It's expunged. My recruiter took care of it. He just like closes the book and I'm sorry, you're going to have to pick a different job. You don't qualify for the security clearance to be an information system technician. At that point, I was like, crap. This is all I want to do with my life at this point. I called my mom, called my grandparents, and they were just like, pick a different job. And on my mom's side of family, there's like nurses, doctors, medical people. I'm like, let me just go into the medical field. So I picked hospital corpsman and that spurred off up into me doing this interview. I can't, I don't regret anything I've ever done or did in my past. I have two beautiful daughters now. I have a thriving company team and have made such an impact. And, and, and I'm really glad that I made that decision because if I would have been in IT, who knows what would happened, man? Actually, I might be hanging out with Elon Musk. We might be partnering on SpaceX right now. I don't know. So who knows? There's many paths to SpaceX. So you might still get there if that's part of your goal. Right? Yeah. 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 No, I love that story. And I'm a firm believer that all things happen for a reason. And that the, does the, do you choose the path or does the path choose you? And I was similar scenario. I was pre-med and undergraduate and thought I was going to go to dental school. And it's not what happened. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, I went through a phase where I read as many books as I could that were written by Navy SEALs. So that moment of truth was part of Remy K's story in his book. And same thing where although his judge did expunge his record, but he was still sweating bullets yeah. during that phase because and he just decided, screw it. I want to be a Navy SEAL. So I'm going to go through this and tell him I didn't go to jail. And lo and behold, it worked out for him. But I was familiar with that, at least through through my reading of how other people have gone through it. Yeah. So you're, so you went that route, you're a corpsman and then you made it 10 years. Was that the idea that you were going to put your 10, 10 years in or tell me a little bit about that? No, man, I was, no. I was a lifer. I was like 20, 30 years. This is all I want to do with my life. I made, by the time I was at the five and a half year mark, I was putting on E6, which is a high level supervisor. Like you can, you're, you can be in charge of hundreds of people run right. full platoons, squadrons, like whatever. Yeah. And I, I actually put on E6, if for anyone that's familiar, like it takes the average person 12 years to hit that rank. And I did in less than half the time. And when wow. I put on E6, I was, it was actually handed to me. Like they pinned it on me. I was called a, a cap promotion where they basically meritoriously advance you to the next rank because of your record and history and achievements and stuff and character and stuff like that. It's really hard to make E6. There's time you have to deployments. There's a lot of things that you have to do. And I got capped to E6 because I took a humanitarian mission to Papua New Guinea, Fiji, and the Philippines. I talk about this a lot, but we, we built schools out there and you work with kids, built soccer fields, put up, set up new clinics and stuff like that. I was, I worked with the CB battalion on the mission. So the CBs is like the construction battalion of the Navy and uh, I was their corpsman. So if they got sick or if they put a nail through their thumb, like I'm there to help them. Yeah. And I volunteered for all that, did incredible things, held events on the ship. I was really big when I was in the military. I've always been big on 
honoring history and honoring people for their hard work and recognizing them for their sacrifices. As far as like events like the Navy birthday and the Corman birthday, when I got on the ship, there was none of that happened. Nobody was thinking about doing that. No one was rogering up and say, hey, I know how to put on these events. And up until that point, I had put on five or six of these kinds of events in Italy. I was stationed in Italy for two years. I had events where like thousands of people were tra traveling all over Europe to come to the Navy birthday that I put on in Italy. And I just really understood these ceremonies and how they work because my first duty station was in Bethesda, Maryland. And Bethesda, Maryland is the president's hospital. So they're really big on ceremonies and color guard and welcoming the president. And I got to meet President Obama as well and take his blood. So I was really ingrained in all of that. And it was really fun for me. I had a great time doing it. So when I was on the ship, they didn't have the Corman birthday celebration or the Navy birthday celebration. There was a month where it was suicide prevention month. And I put on a huge event for that. So I just did a bunch of stuff like that, not to mention the schools and stuff that we built, which is the big impact. But suicide prevention is really important too, especially in the military. So many people join the military. Yeah. It's like a culture shock. It's, they miss home. They, they hate, they might be feeling the blues or not happy with their job or their family's back home and they're on deployment. Unfortunately, people commit suicide because it is a tough job. The military is the hardest job in the world. I think it's, there's like the rank top 10 hardest jobs in the world and military, I believe is number one or number two. It's like top. So yes, I mean, I just, that's the kind of impact and stuff that I was making. And I think it was whenever my boss, so to speak, when it was time to see, because every deployment, you can actually promote meritoriously promote people. I was like at the top of the list for E6. But yeah, yeah, I did my time. And I think after that deployment, though, getting back to your original question, like it was that your intention for 10 years to be in the Navy. It's like I got back from that deployment. I was in five and a half years at that point. I get back to San Diego and I'm like, man, I'm really thinking about my life. And I'm just like, I, I think I can continue that. It was a fork in the road. Do I continue this path? I'm probably going to be a high ranking chief, senior chief or master chief in the next few years. I'll make probably 10 grand a month, something like that with my base pay and my housing allowance. And back then, if you can hit, I in my mind, if you're making a hundred grand a month or more, I'm sorry, hundred grand a year or more, like you're rich, like you've made deal, it. Right? Yeah, that's a big deal. So that, that was always the goal, right? Up until I was 25, 26 years old. And, uh, and I knew I could have done it. I could have been a master chief probably in the next five years. By my 10-year, 11, 12-year mark, there's certain time and service you have to make sure. for sure. So I think by year 12, I could have definitely put on master chief, which is the highest you can go in the enlisted ranks. Enlisted, yeah. I was like, do I want to do this? This is too easy. It's too easy for me to make rank because I know exactly what I need to do to make rank. Sure. I'm just going to volunteer for the next deployment and be the guy that knows how to put on all these programs and lead all these people. And I'm just, and I'm going to come back with the nice chest candy. I'm going to get the rank in the evaluations and it's going to be cake. It's going to be easy. But I was like, I felt like I wasn't being challenged enough anymore. Sure. I knew the also knew that that past was going to be a cap on what you could do though. I mean, there, there could have been or would have been other opportunities, but if you've already been told, sorry, you can't, was that a factor there too? Or where was that at in your mind during this phase? I wasn't even thinking about the cap on the money that I can, that I can make. Is that what you're asking me? No. I mean, with the time spent in jail. Oh, with the time spent in jail, the 18. Yeah. No, but, that, that had no effect yeah. on my success. That didn't matter at that point. But moving on, like if you wanted to, if there was an opportunity for a warrant officer or going to officer candidates school, those things, would, would that have presented? Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. And 
Yeah, I was entertaining becoming an officer as well. So the fork in the road was like, go Master Chief route, be there in five years, six years, put in a package to become an officer. I was already looking very prestigious at that point. I would have had, I would have been picked up for a lab officer, probably pretty good because I, because my package was so strong. I even had it and had it together. That was actually my primary. It was like, go officer or go for master chief. And I was like, go officer, but keep doing going for master chief because I know that formula, the officer game is basically the same. It's just, it's a lot more political. And I got a, and I had, I coming from the president's hospital, a lot of this might, some people think it's not political. It's very political. And coming from the president's hospital, the people that work there, they have some if they if they give you a recommendation like that recommendation goes really far yeah. and i had i built up a strong network of connections and recommendations throughout my time at that point so i could have gotten picked up but getting back from the deployment i'm just like i don't know if i want to do this all the time so i started looking stuff up online i started what's business what's being a, i heard of some guys that were at the hospital i was working with and had these side gigs, side hustle, side businesses. I'm like, what does that even mean? Are they moonlighting, doing another job? And I just started playing around. I worked in some nightclubs and stuff and ran VIP areas and nightclubs just as a part-time gig. And I learned social media, like Instagram hashtags to get people to come to the club, get free drinks and get table service and stuff like that. I just started playing around with moonlighting, having a second job, and then got into an MLM that my buddy was doing, a multi-level marketing company. Made like 600 bucks, thought I was a gangster. This is amazing, $600. That fizzled out. And then I just found digital marketing. And I learned about lead generation and Google ads and Facebook ads and SEO and all of these things that we do in my company to work with businesses. We basically just partner with a bunch of brick and mortar businesses and help them get new customers from Google and Facebook. And uh, from the marketing language, we call that digital real estate because it's because we set, we own the digital assets, the websites, the ads, but they're not like physical real estate. It's all online. Sure. But, but yeah, I got into that and I realized, shoot, I, th I think I can do this full time. So after like six months, it's pretty crazy. But after six months of doing it, I was making in a month what the Navy was paying me in a year. So when you're making that kind of money, you're just like, and now I know the value of my time. 10 grand a month as a master chief is not as attractive as making my annual salary in a month. So right. it's been, I just remember landing my first client was a transportation company and they didn't even pay me up front. They, I basically paid for the marketing and sent them leads and they got like some new clients and I called them up like days later. I'm like, Hey, this is Douglas James. I've been sending you guys a few new clients or inquiries. How are those working out? They're like, Oh my gosh, dude, we need to talk. This is amazing. I don't know how you're doing this. And we worked up a deal where like for the next, I think it was supposed to be a month, but we went up to two months, I think, or 45 days, something like that, where they just gave me 25% profit of all the money they made from the lead. The money. Yeah. yeah. So it was, but it was GP like gross profit. So after they paid like their drivers and the gas for the, it was a transportation company, limousines and stuff like that. Yeah. Party buses. yeah. I got a check for like five grand, something like that. And then another check for 2,500 for the next 45 days. So it was like a total of 7,500 on two, two payments. And I'm like, yeah. man, this is amazing. Like Just based on a phone call. Yeah. Just based on one phone call. That was it. it was just so when people call. think about salary per hour, right? I don't know how long that phone call was, but right. It was a 15 minute conversation. It was quick. <laughs> yeah. You have something that I want. I have something you want. Yep. Let's make a deal. Yeah, and absolutely. Back then, I was, so that's I was about like, $28,000 an hour right there. People did the math. So 15 minutes to about 7,500, 15 minutes is a quarter of an hour. So <laughs> yeah, about 28 grand an hour. Yeah.
who's going to turn that down? Exactly. So that's what I found, man. And I, I just stuck with it, stuck with it. And I eventually got into teaching people how to do this skill because I was still in the Navy. So keep in mind, I'm five and a half years in, I make E6. My contract, I had just signed a five-year contract right before I left Italy. And I'm in. So now I'm in. So I have almost like... Now, when I found this, it was about three and a half years. So I have about three and a half years before I can even get out. And I find this skill. And so I couldn't get out because of my contract. Like when you sign a, a contract with the government, like it's like you stab your you, thumb and you yep. put in blood. This is a done deal. What time frame was this, Douglas? It was around my six and a half year mark in. So like 2014-ish, yeah. something like that, early 2015. And then I got all the way till 2019 before I can get out. So this is when the economy is on a full upswing in terms of coming recovering from 2008, 2012. And so things are booming all around you, whether you realize it or not, right? At this point. Yeah. And you know what? I did not know any about, I didn't know nothing about all that stuff. Right. I didn't know. I was so out of touch with 2008. I don't even know. No one's even in the military. Nobody's talking about real estate. Nobody's right. talking about crypto, a crash, a business cycle, a recession. I just remember in 2009, I remember not getting paid for December because it was the new fiscal year in January. Yeah. So it was like January 25th, like we still didn't get paid. Navy Federal, my my bank, they're like, hey, we know this money's coming. We're just going to pay you and we'll get paid by the government later. So and I eventually got paid, but I didn't, I was like, oh, this is just some weird economic thing. Like I, I have no idea. Why do I care? I just care about my check every two weeks. I'm not an entrepreneur. I don't even know what the word, I haven't even heard the word entrepreneur yet. So it's like funny what you pay attention to now. But yeah, man, I 20 around that time, 20, 2014, I was basically, I had three more years, roughly, no, 2015, about three, three and a half years left to get out. And I just kept doing it, man. And I built my portfolio of clients and I had a master chief, a high ranking individual come to me and say, Hey man, I, I learned about you. I see you're making money. I'm 45 years old. I'm getting out the Navy next month. I've been in for 25 months, 25 years. And I don't want to sit in a classroom full of 19 year olds. Yeah. How do you, do? I'll pay you to teach me how to do this, this online marketing stuff. So that was my first, that was my first coaching client that I've ever yeah. received. And fast forward today was like over 10,000. So yeah, I heard that teaser on your intro video on your YouTube channel. So I, I made sure to take a listen to that. And so yeah. I heard that little teaser of that story. So I'm curious, what did you help him do? What did you help him figure out? Because in that video, you talk about how part of it is figuring out what you can do, what you can offer, what you can bring to the market. So yeah. how did you help that master chief? Yeah. Up in that point, up until that point, I had no coaching content. I thought coaches were just people that helped you shoot a better basket and right. throw a better football and make yeah. a touchdown. And, and I guess in the Navy, you have a co like a career coach, like somebody, okay, you want to be a, you want to be a chief. Okay. This is what you got to go on these deployments. You got to take these college classes or whatever, right? Same thing in your career. If you're working a nine to five job or if you're in corporate or whatever, you want to be ex executive C-suite. Okay. You got to be in this the company for this amount of time. You got to get this position to get that position. You got to have a good review report, like whatever. But I knew there was coaching. I just didn't realize like people were willing to pay you thousands of dollars on the in, in the civilian world to be coached for stuff outside of sports. It's like a crazy new thing for me at the time. Yeah. What I did was I just told him, okay, cool. Just give me a thousand dollars. And what I'm going to do is this weekend, no, it's 900 bucks. I said, Hey, just give me like 900 bucks. And what I'll do for you is I'll record you a series of videos step-by-step -step of like my process, how to acquire a client. And then once you acquire them, how to fulfill for them so that they're happy and keep paying you month after yeah. month. 
Yeah. It was like 12 videos. Some were maybe 20 minutes. There was a couple that was maybe 40 minutes. It was probably like maybe six hours of content, something like that. Yeah. I just recorded them and uploaded them to Dropbox. And I just named it video one, video two, video three, like just watch each video step <laughs> by step and then just do right. what I say, click there. If I say this there, yeah. if you make a call and they say this to you, say this rebuttal. So there was like sales objections. And at that time I was, I had read like literally all of Grant Cardone's books mm -hmm. for sales objection handling. I read Zig Ziglar's books on sales. I was like, say, I quickly understood if, if you don't, if you have a business that's made, that's not making money, you don't have a business. If your sure. business is not making money. You don't have a business. You right. just have like a freaking, it's just a doorstop. So I, I knew I had to be good at selling because if I don't do that, then there's no point in me knowing how to design and create a Facebook ad or build an online page. So I just recorded it, gave it to a man and he, he took off. He like landed a client like that next week weekend and he was fulfilling for the client. It was like a $2,000 a month client and his story was cool because he's like yeah i'm a i'm a retiring master chief getting out the navy i just learned this new skill in marketing and online ads yeah. i looked at your website i realized you're i have this whole prospecting video process where you basically shoot a loom video back then loom didn't exist we used shoot i forgot the name of the video software it wasn't loom but you would just screen record using this other program it, it's a long time ago i forgot what it periscope. was periscope i think i tried to use periscope one time there's a there was another one i it's slipping my mind now but anyway yeah. you basically look at a client's website some you go find somebody that's on page two or three of google for like their keywords so if it's a roofing company you put in roof repairman in san diego and you just go to page two or three. And if they're on page two or three, they're probably getting a low volume of yeah. clicks to their website. So you do a whole bunch of analytics on their website, their visitors, where they show up in Google search. Are they running Google ads? Are they running Facebook ads? So I had processes for all that. And then basically you make a custom, this was the process back then. We've actually, it's a lot more automated and streamlined now and less time, like less more time involved now, but that was it. And you record this whole video on why their online stuff sucks. And you're like, yeah. hey, just pay. This is what it could be. You yeah. can pay me X and I'll fix it and make it look like this. And then you'll have potentially this many more customers a month. Yeah. And uh, he just followed my process and then boom, he landed his client. Like his first video he sent out like that, he landed it. So nice. Yeah. That's a page straight out of Gary Vee's book that he still talks about recently. Oh, really? Yeah. You yeah. find people that are doing social media or website or SEO that are doing it bad and help them do it better and they'll pay you for it. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty, pretty amazing story there. Yeah. Love, that, love that. that. That's it, man. Yeah. Okay. So you just re-upped and then you learned this skill and it's making your, your E6 salary in a month and the three and a half years go by, then what? You get out of the mill, out of the Navy that walk me through what happens next. Yeah. I get out the Navy in January of 2019. Wow. For the next month, I go to bed and wake up every night in a sweat thinking I'm like late for work. So I'm like PTSD. Oh crap. I have to be in uniform right now. Oh, I'm going to be kicked out. It was funny. A lot of that happened, but yeah, I get out and now I'm like, wow, I can do 10 hours a day in this thing. So literally this is what you, what you could squeeze in while you were in active duty, right? Yeah. Yeah. So a couple hours a day when I was active duty, when people say you don't have time, man, that's just BS. You can, you right. have time. Like I, I basically cut out, I was going out to bars, drinking a lot, hanging out with friends that weren't doing anything, watching a lot of movies, spending a lot of time on Apple TV. I don't even, I can't remember if Netflix wasn't a thing back then. It was 2017, 2018, 2016. 
2015. I think it was like Redbox. Like you go pay a dollar, get the DVD. Blockbuster online. <laughs> Blockbuster online. I didn't even do that. I did the Redbox. Like you go to the grocery store, they had the yep. Redbox. You pay a dollar to get the DVD or $2. But yeah, it was stuff like that. And then cut all that out, man. And I was working 10 hours a day. I would get home. I would literally just go straight to my computer and start working on stuff. And even during the day at work, I was working on stuff. I would sneak out and do calls sure. and close deals, fax over contracts, stuff like that. Doing what I had to do the weekends, I would do the same. And that's um, a page out of Tim Ferriss's book too, for our work week, right? Yeah. If you're in your job, your career, Douglas is telling you to do. Step out and send those faxes, get those contracts put through. Yeah, absolutely. If there's a will, there's a way. Yeah, You'll absolutely. find it. Even I, I didn't have kids back then, but I, as a parent now, I get it. Like I, sure. just, I get it. Like yeah. now, two girls, right? Yeah. But yeah, you, you have to, you will find the time when a lot of things that I do now, it may not be suitable, maybe for most people, but I have expendable income where I can hire nannies, I can hire yep. cooks, I can yep. hire cleaning ladies, right? I outsource basically the only thing that I do, if it's not packing on lean muscle on my body or making me money, someone else is doing it. Right. I have to go to the gym if I want to look good. And I got to be on calls with my team if I want to make money. But most of the integration, 99%, almost all the integration work I don't do. I built up a team to do it. So How about uh, bumpers that they are, right? Make money or pack on muscle. Otherwise I'm not doing it. Yeah, that's it. That's it. And there's a whole lot of mindset there too. I know that again, I took in your watch this first video and you did address mindset. And so my podcast is dedicated to mindset. That's the reason why I wanted to bring you on is that my hope is that pe people are giving us an hour, giving me an hour of their time, right? To listen to you and listen to me. And what I promise in return is for them to get a glimpse into a success story like you're telling us. And then also how mindset was part of that. And yeah. you can take it anywhere you want, but you did say when people say they don't have time, it's BS. And to me, that's about what your beliefs are about your time and how you spend it. Yeah. A hundred percent. I, uh, back then, I don't think I was worried so much about my mindset if I was going to be successful or not, or have the fear and uncertainty of going through things and doing things that made me feel uncomfortable. I didn't think about it. So I think for me, something, there was just something that triggered inside of me where I knew I wanted a certain lifestyle. And I knew if I kept doing what I was doing in the military, I couldn't get to this lifestyle. So I knew I had to make a change. And also too, I was, I figured out like I'm the person where if something's like super easy that if I do it over and over again and to keep getting the result, I get bored of it. Like I'll keep doing it if it's making money. If I can automate it and have my team do it and it's making money, great. But I don't really want too much to do with that because I'm not getting much fulfillment out of it. I want to go sure. build another company or build another project and do another thing. And then that's all exciting. And I automate it. I'm like, crap, now I'm bored again. Let me go find something else. That's the point I got into when I was in the military. It was, I knew the formula to success. So I was like, do I want to keep doing this? Cause I'm bored doing it. And then I found what I found. And I just knew that I wanted to have a life. I When I realized that how valuable my time was worth, I didn't see the value of showing up to a job every day and being told what to do. Um, so I knew I wanted to have a life where I can go to bed and wake up when I want and do be where I want to be time, location, freedom and all that. So I think that was instilled in me in the beginning. And once you're in that space and you're not 
happy or fulfilled where you're at, you have to just look in the mirror and say, this is not where I want to be. I need to make a change. Once you heard insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. You're not going to get to where you want to go doing that job. Now, sometimes a lot of people, you got to do that job or do that thing to put food on the table. That's by all means. I'm not saying cold turkey, your cash flow. That's stupid. Right. But you can find time to do the things that give you fulfillment that's working towards a bigger vision. And I think we learned a lot. Our, our friend Nick talks about this a lot, but you have to have a long-term time preference and everything you do. So that's what I tell a lot of my clients and students and stuff is don't get into this thing and try to dip your toe and get put at an arbitrary goal against an arbitrary timeline and say, Hey, I need to hit 30 grand a month in the next three months or my life's over. And then if you don't hit it, you're like, crap, it didn't happen. I'm just going to quit now. You got to look at that time. Three months is a decent amount of time of where you can learn a lot, right? And if maybe you didn't hit 30 grand, maybe you just hit five grand or 15 grand or 20. Maybe you didn't really hit anything, but look at it. If you really put in the time and effort, look at all the skills and experience you've built up. I can guarantee if you did put in the time, you're going to hit some number. You're going to hit something. Yeah. So I, I'm a firm believer. If like there's anything you want, like you got to just put it out there five years, 10 years, sure. 20 years, yeah, and then and reverse from there. And I'm glad that you mentioned it, right? We're both connected through a mastermind that we're a part of and Nick Peterson and the the Guardian Academy and the Wolf Den and mm -hmm. all of that. And the way I look at it is if you have the appropriate timeline, right? Everybody has to determine what that is, but it's probably not tomorrow, right? It's probably not 60 days from now, not 90 days from now. But if you have the appropriate timeline, then you're going to put in, you're going to build the right way. If you have a arbitrary timeline, you're going to do things that aren't sustainable and you're not going to build the right way. And I'm saying air quotes for people that are listening to this, right? But if you build it the right way, that's when the luck happens, right? So if you're right. building, building, building the right way, you're opening yourself up for the opportunities that you aren't even aware of when you start building, right? right? But if you rush and you force and you push and you grind and grind, if you force the process or shortcut the process, you're not building the right way. And then the opportunities are going to escape you because people will see that. They're like, ooh, this person, man, they're pushing way too hard that they're going to they're gonna blow themselves up. Yeah. I don't want anything to do with that. 100%. Yeah. And again, this is where I said in the beginning of our show, there's a lot of irons in the fire where I think that you and I have some similarity there. So one of the current irons as you and I were talking before, we hit record on this was what AI is doing to your business opportunities and just the world in general. Talk to us about what you're doing with AI and how you're folding it into what you are doing and what you're offering people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. When I think of AI, certainly there's a lot of uncertainty there. What is this thing? Is What is it going to do for me? What is it going to do to the world? And if you just take a look at a bunch of the data, it's set to project, I think, just in the manufacturing space alone, like over 20 million jobs, it's 100% going to replace sure. the next, excuse me, couple of years. I saw another report that by 2030, there's over 300 million jobs that it's going to replace by 2030. And the reason why I wouldn't freak out too hard about that when you hear that, certainly that's scary. If you have a long-term time preference, you're like, oh shoot, this is coming. And it could happen quicker than that. Who knows? But it's just the adoption curve that eventually it's going to expand into many different industries and many things that we do day to day. There's grocery stores that already have, there's one security guard and that's it. You got an entire grocery store, one security guard versus an entire store and 20 cashiers, the lay layaway station or whatever, like the shopping cart, or you got one security guard and it's happening right now. And uh, I think we're, 
it's going to, over the next six, seven years, it's going to be a part of everyday life. If it's not already, like Netflix seems to always know what show it you like bet next, right? There's AI. I can tell Alexa, hey, Alexa, order, order me this protein supplement and get it here by today at 9 p.m. She's, it's done. So AI has been in our everyday life for years at this point. Sure. They just call it the algorithm, right? <laughs> yeah, they just call it the algorithm. Now everyone's like, oh, it's AI. It's out now. And we got ChatGBT that everyone has access to. Yeah, if you're, you certainly should be adopting it. There's a quote, you're either going to figure out how to get AI to work for you, or you're going to work for AI, or you're not going to work at all. The, the best thing you could think is like, how do I get AI to work for me? And if you're in the industry, most people are expendable. Most humans are expendable. That's why I love being an entrepreneur because nobody can replace Douglas James and nobody can re replace Dr. Nick Sotelo, right? You're the only one of you and the person and you at home watching this right now, you're the only one of you. The quicker you can figure out how to make AI work for you, I think is the best thing you do. And what I would recommend is how do you create your own economy doing it? So you can start your own business or start your own side hustle or your own thing, right? Or you can partner with someone that has a vision that you believe in and learn AI, learn what they do, what their vision is, and learn AI tools that you can bring to that individual and say, hey, I can help you achieve X, Y, Z faster than you're doing it now because I know artificial intelligence, right? That's a, that's going to be that's going to be the best thing you do. You're going to have there's going to be eventually jobs. You're going to go if you're working a career, a job, a job application might say, what's your understanding of this AI technology right. for this industry? Like in schools and colleges, eventually they're going to be teaching. If you're going through a curriculum, like you're going to have to understand like certain AI tools because right. that's going to be the standard in certain industries, whatever job. I don't have a crystal ball and know what that is yet, but that's basically the world we're going. Just like blockchain currencies, we're going in that direction, right? AI, we're going in that direction. And you have to be prepared for it. So I say create your own economy however you can with AI now. And it's not even so much the AI. It's still, you still need a vehicle because I can't really sell in what I do. I don't sell AI services. I still sell my vehicle, which is lead generation or teaching people how to do lead generation for businesses and get paid as a service, right? Now what we're doing is, okay, that process of doing lead generation for businesses, the process of setting them up and getting them results used to take weeks or days. Now, because of AI, we installed this AI stack. Now it takes minutes, right? So yeah. you get all of this time back. You still make the same money coming in. You get all this time back you and you can actually, reality. yeah, you could actually go to the client and say, Hey, this process that we have, it takes maybe two weeks or a month to do, right? We could get it actually done in a day if you upgrade to your package and we're going to install some AI into your business. Mm -hmm. Do you want to do you want to wait a month for the result or do you want to have it done by like tomorrow? Now Perfect. you can up, now you can upsell you can go from a $10,000 package to a $50,000 package because they're going to get the result 29 sure. days faster. So we're doing stuff like that and teaching our people how to also not only use, you don't even have to use the upsell. You can just use it to still sell the same services, just get it done with a smaller team and get it done way faster. So now you have way more of your time back. Yeah, absolutely. So that's basically what we're doing like the direction that I see things are going. And yeah, it's here now. And if you're not innovating on it or using it or adopting it, like chances are you're going to get replaced or miss a, a big financial cycle up cycle that a lot of Alexander Wang, he's the first billionaire from AI. He's 24 years old. 
that's just one industry alone. We've already had multiple. What In what time frame? In just a, a couple short years. I think, do you know, I got introduced to this gentleman, his name's Howard Getson or Jetson. Yeah. But he's, yeah, you've heard of him. So he's been a CEO of a AI company for 32 years. Like we're freaking out about ChatGBT. This right. guy's been in AI for 32 years. Right. Like AI has been, the government right. and military has been using AI for the last 30 years, like 40, 50 years. Like this goes you, back you... to the late 60s when I was doing a deep dive on it. I was helping somebody build a, because my background is mental health counseling and I've been consulting with a gentleman that's creating a therapy bot, coaching bot. And I, so I did a deep dive and this goes back to the late 60s. They tried to, they created a language model around Carl Rogers. Yeah. And then they created a language model around how a schizophrenic patient would present. And then they had the two, we'll call them bots, talk to each other. It became a colossal mess. And so they abandoned the project. But I, I was shocked to know that this went back. So when Howard Getson says, I've been doing this for 30 years, he's not lying because it's been around that long. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So yeah, that's just some of the things we're doing. Like I have a full on AI version of Douglas mm -hmm. James now. And I talk about Douglas James. It's me, but it's funny. Somebody told me that, dude, you talk about yourself like you're not like a third party. I'm like, so Douglas James is a trademark brand that has brand equity, a persona and, right. and all that. It's actually trademark. Like it's right. registered with the USPTO or whatever they're called. That's it behind me. It's actually on my shelf. So like when I talk about Douglas James, it's like way bigger than like me. It's like sure. this whole thing. It's Nike or Apple. But anyway, there's, we created a whole Douglas James AI, like from video and audio where it looks and talks exactly like me. You wouldn't right. be able to tell love any it. difference. Love it. Love it. There's some limitations there and it's like 98%. So I would say it's like 98% inflections of my voice. Like sometimes I get like really high and excited and down. Yeah. I have my 11 lab subscription too. And I've been messing around with it. And so, yeah, to mimic my voice and people's voices. And I'll send people little voice files of them saying th something ridiculous. How'd you do that? Yeah, that's it's funny. there, but I have some fun with it, but I'll, I'll share an example of what I've been recapturing, reallocate through AI and also forcing function type things too. If you, I assume that you speak CCA, at least to some certain degree, but um, yeah, yeah. Force function. Yep. Yeah. I'm running through right now. I've got a, a group of men that I'm running through my anger resolution program. And one of the things that held me back was I knew that I had to create a stupid workbook and worksheets for this. Right. Yeah. And I'm a high implementer. I won't pick up grammar and syntax errors. I just won't. Right. And then people are like, you spelled this wrong or this sentence doesn't make any sense. Yes, it does. Just read it. Like, you know what I meant to say yeah. is what goes on in my mind. Yeah. But that was re I was recognizing just today before we got on, because I was doing some of that work is that when I leveraged chat GPT, when I've trained it to what I'm doing and when it spits out the worksheet, the grammar errors aren't there. The syntax errors aren't there. You know what I mean? And as long as I'm like, oh my goodness, because that used to be one of the biggest things that would hold me back, right? Is that the proofreading and the editing, right? That's all gone now. As long as I train it to to respond to these things the way I want it to, it takes care of the grammar and the syntax. And I was it was I was a little bit blown away by it when I realized that, that was part of also what I was benefiting from by using this language generative AI to, to help me create my worksheets. Right. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it was an epiphany that I had. I don't have to worry about grammar and syntax anymore. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. that's incredible. Typos, right? That, that somebody's going to point out. You didn't spell this right. Like, what are you, English major? Get over it, man. I have a PhD, right? And so again, when I'm up in front of people and I in class live and I'm on the whiteboard, I turn around and tell them, if I spell something wrong, just pretend it's spelled right. Because spelling and geography is what would kill me on Jeopardy. <laughs> yeah. Douglas, this has been fun. I appreciate you making time for us here. 
But I do want you to do the best that you can for the person that's hearing this. You were an incredible story. I think we just dipped our toe into what your story could be. But part of what I want is people to be able to turn this off and take have something that they can take some immediate action on, right? So yeah. for that person who knows that they're in their career, they're in their job, maybe they're in their military, and they want to do what you did, right? And they want to figure out how to bring their value and skill to the market and be able to replace their income. What's step one for that person? When you were talking, there's one thing that came to mind that may not answer that question directly, but I think it's important to say, be careful who you let in your life. Be careful who you allow in your life, your personal life, your professional life. Be careful who you allow to introduce to your children, who you allow to introduce to your team. You, there's, you're only going to get one name and one bad imposter, one bad person. All it takes is one and they can do a lot of damage. If you're not careful with who you allow in your life, you can recover from things. But I would say it's so important to look at an inventory of the people that you spend time with, who you allow into your life, who you invite into your home who you spend time with, because you can be robbed of many years. You can be robbed of financially, and you can be robbed of emotional and love and passion for that you could have been given into other things that would have gotten you way further on in life. I've learned the hard way, not setting up better bumpers for people that I've allowed into my life. And it was a hard lesson to go through. At the end of it, after going through it, I'm actually very happy and excited that I went through it because now I know what types of people there are in the world and, and what to look out for and, what, you know, and how to guard myself, guard your guard. That, that's what I'll say. I think that's like the most important thing is people because you can't do and achieve anything alone. These self-made people that, that claim self-made, you learn something from somewhere from somebody, whether you want to admit it or not, whether that's pride or ego, whatever, dude. I'm definitely not self-made. I've had some incredible mentors growing up in the military and as an entrepreneur. So I always remember those people and try to find who's the next person that can give me an, another 1% boost, right? So that's what I'll say. I think community, people, who's in your life, one of the most important things that you can consider in anything you're trying to achieve, whether starting a business or having a marriage or excuse me, a relationship or a friendship or anything. So yeah, I appreciate that. I mm -hmm. think that's some of the best I've wisdom that I've heard come across this podcast from somebody that I've talked to, right? Mm -hmm. I think it's Jim Rome that gets the credit for this, that you are the the sum average of the five people that you spend the most time with. And yeah. so you have to be careful about who you allow into your life to influence your thoughts and your behaviors, right? Yeah. Because it's like you just said, you don't know the resource zap that could be happening by having the wrong people in your network and in your circle. For sure. Yeah. It includes personal relationships, yeah. people that you might be in bed with, people that you might be signing a contract with. So it's everyone. Absolutely. Absolutely. Douglas James, trademarked, patented. Appreciate you making time for me and my show. I know that my audience will get a lot out of this and just learning more about you and your story, how you got to where you were to where you are today. Appreciate you so much for coming on. Yeah, it was a great honor. Had a lot of fun. Wish you all the best, Nick. I'm sure I'm going to be seeing you here at some point soon. Absolutely. Yeah. Take care. All right. You too. That was the one and only Douglas James. And Douglas certainly has a heart of gold. I hope that came through the conversation. I did have the pleasure of meeting him in person and just watching him from afar. He is a generous man. He's an authentic man, and he really knows how to pull people together. And I saw that firsthand. There's lots of ways you can tap into Douglas and what he has going on. 
He's got a YouTube channel, and I'll put the link to that in the show notes so that you can go over there and subscribe and follow his content there. He is also active on Twitter, and I'll put the handle again in the show notes. So if you liked what you heard from Douglas in our conversation, you're going to enjoy his content because he provides some important deep dives on several concepts that are going to be important for you in general, getting clear on what it is that you want in this life and how do you move closer to that every day is a big theme in his content. And if you are a fledgling entrepreneur or an established entrepreneur, his content is going to be valuable for you as well. So go seek him out on his socials, go give him a follow, like, and subscribe, all that good stuff. As always, I want to offer a huge thanks to my listeners If you find this episode of the Upgraded Life podcast helpful, do all the things that you know how to do. Leave it a five-star review, uh, give it a thumbs up, whatever you can do, wherever you're listening to this episode, uh, give it some love on the socials. That just helps me, helps the algorithm, helps the powers that be to let the world know that this is a valuable resource for people. As always, I have some special offers for folks, and particularly you listeners of the Upgraded Life podcast You know that I've been helping men with uh, destructive anger. I've been helping them to develop the skills necessary in order to get complete control over anger. So if you're a man and you're listening to this and you've been given an ultimatum, get this fixed or else, uh, don't waste any time and don't work with somebody who isn't an expert. I'm going to bring you expert intervention using time-tested and proven skills and tools to help you get complete control over anger. You can find all that information about my anger resolution program in the show notes below. I've been able to show more and more people how to boost their education about all things blockchain, all things Bitcoin. I have two e-courses and a community to support your knowledge in those areas. If you're starting from zero knowledge, that's okay. Uh, my Crypto 101 course will help you get to up to speed. If you are beyond uh, Crypto 101 and you want to learn how to start investing in crypto, then my Crypto 201 course is going to be for you. Those are under the brand, The Ultimate Crypto Startup. And again, you can find the links to those programs in the show notes below. Now I want to talk to you about one of the most exciting opportunities that I have ever been able to offer the people in my audience, in my community, those people that follow me. So here it is. I'd say over the last three to four years, I've been plugged into a particular community. And this community has grown and evolved over time. And it has now gotten to the place to where I am able to help onboard people into this community. Why would you want to be part of this community? Let me tell you. If you've been tracking or following me over the last handful of years, you probably have asked the question, how does Nick do all this stuff? How did he figure out how to launch a podcast? How does he run social media channels? How did he convert his income from a traditional nine-to-five job to a non-standard online business revenue platform where I get to work when I want and however much I want, depending on what the need is at the time. Well, I'm here to tell you I didn't do it all on my own. Of course, I had to take my own action. I had to put in my own effort. But I've been supported by a community for the last handful of years. And without that community, I would have not been able to do any of the things that I'm doing right now. That community is known as the Guardian Academy, and the Guardian Academy has everything that anybody needs to upgrade their life and to live the life that they truly want. 
The Guardian Academy offers an online community that you have access to 24-7. They offer weekly calls with true masters in all sorts of disciplines, ranging from real estate to human development to creating online revenue streams. You name it. Anything that has to do with humans being better humans, the Guardian Academy has something to offer you. When you're a member of the Guardian Academy, you also have access to live events that happen several times a year. So here's my offer. I only have the capacity to help maybe about five people join the Guardian Academy because it will take a partnership in order to meet all of the requirements. It's not a simple buy your way in, join and get started. You have to put in some work and I'm offering to help you do the work so that you can be a full-fledged member of the Guardian Academy. So if you're interested in that and you want to know more about how to get the process started, there'll be a link in the show notes below, or you could go to the website www.tgaportal.com. There'll be a couple of videos there for you to watch. And then if you're still interested, fill out the form and that'll get you on my email list. And I'll be sure to reach out to you and give you all the information that you need. Again, I only have capacity to work with about five people to join the Guardian Academy with me being the guide. So if you have any interest at all in that, I would say don't delay. Fill out that form. Let me know that you're interested because it's going to be the first five. And after that, I don't know. I may not ever do it again, um, but I am going to be committed to five people who want to join the Guardian Academy. I'll leave you here with another final thank you for being in my audience. Thank you for listening to the Upgraded Life podcast. This is me, Dr. Nick Sotelo, urging you to do something today that will upgrade your life. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Upgraded Life podcast. This show doesn't exist without you, the listeners, and so I appreciate each and every one of you. If you want to show your appreciation back to me and to this podcast, there's a couple ways to do that. One way is to be subscribed to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. If you are an Apple user, you can go over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a five-star review. All of those things help. And now I want to talk about two projects that I have going that are out there that I think are very important if you're the right person for them. So the first project is my anger resolution program. And this is for men, fathers that own businesses that have anger that's completely out of control. And if that's you, I have developed a program specifically for that so that you can get complete control of your anger, that you can rebuild the relationship with your loved ones, and that you can make your business more profitable. That is all contained in my anger resolution program. If you want the info about that, check out the show notes, and there will be a link there for you for anger resolution. The other project that I have going, which is equally as important in my mind, and it's a lot of fun, is based around blockchain and cryptocurrency education. So if you've listened to this podcast this year, in 2023, you will have heard that several of them have focused on cryptocurrency. And that's not by accident. That's been a big part of my uh, free time, my extra time, and my financial strategy uh, over the last uh, 18 months or so. So I have founded, together with some partners, a organization called The Ultimate Crypto Startup, and we offer crypto education. Our Crypto 101 course is completely free, and it is designed for the person who 
knows traditional finance and they're curious about the world of decentralized finance. So if that's you, but you, you don't even know what a Bitcoin is, you don't even know what blockchain is or how blockchain technology works, Crypto 101 is exactly what you need to build that knowledge into you so that way you can look at the world of decentralized finance from an informed vantage point. So Crypto 101, if you want info on that, again, look in the show notes and you will find the link for that course. All right, my listeners to the Upgraded Life podcast, I'm going to sign off for now and I'm going to urge you to do something as soon as this show is done to upgrade your life, to boost your mindset. Take action today.